welcome to Unexplained Possibilities Podcast. I'm your host, Melvin the Crimson Taurus, and Niema can't be with us today. She's a bit busy, but next month she will be back and live and all that fun happiness. However, as you guys know, whenever Niema isn't with me, I always have a guest on, and today is no exception. Our first guest for our first show of the new year, yeah, Happy New Year, everybody, is someone who I have come across not too, too, too recently, but recently enough, and, well, I was going to give her the title of the Magic Crafter. She said I could say witch and stuff like that, but she doesn't care for labels too much, so instead, we're just going to say, welcome, Joey Morris. (laughs) Thank you very much. Thank you for inviting me. And happy 2019 to you, too. (laughs) That's right. You know, I totally forgot. It is the new year. Mm -hmm. We're only a few days old into it, so. All right. So, Joey, we're going to jump right into it. Mm -hmm. Give me a spell for love. Let's do it. (laughs) Uh, Love yourself and you will attract love out in the world. Joey, that's not going (laughs) to cut it. (laughs) (laughs) No. In in all seriousness, though, you you are with how do I say it? You craft magical goods. What what does mm-hmm. that mean? Uh, in the very basic sense, I create physical items that people use in ceremony, ritual, or spell work, and they. I do do audio products as well, but and books and things, but. Primarily for the crafting side of things, it's candles, spell oils, anointing oils, smudges, and and things of that nature. And it's on my store at Starry-Eyed Supplies. And the creation of these, these items is to bring physical items almost to life to make sure that they can aid you in the specific energies that you're looking for and a lot of people actually come to me for custom orders and they either give me a very detailed idea of what they want or they come to me with a vague idea of what they want and I sit and I meditate and I channel and I um, connect to deity or whatever it is that they are seeking it it's primarily deity um, that people come for custom items. So they might want a goddess Lilith set. They might want a goddess Gaia set. It really depends on the individual. And I go through a process of physically creating items that I believe tell a story and have a soul and will benefit the person interacting with the energies as they work with those physical products. Oh, wow. That's actually a lot to that. Um, now, that sounds like it's rather draining on you as well, though. I wouldn't call it that. I feel that um, the energy that flows through me and moves through me keeps me sustained. It, it makes me feel more alive crafting. It doesn't leave me depleted at all. Okay, so it's, well, that that's, I guess part of it is because it's something you're passionate about as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And... You know, when you're passionate about something and you love it, it's not draining. You feel energized and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So that that's really cool to know. Um, now, here's one for you. If I were to 
asked for something. Um, we'll just say something for Loki in this case, mm-hmm. just as an example. Mm-hmm. How? What would you need from me? Would you need me to tell you about myself or would you just like just do everything? That's entirely dependent on the individual and how they come into my energy space. So I don't need a person to tell me because I will conduit the energies and I have never got it wrong yet. Fingers crossed, touch wood. But usually... When people come to me and they're not quite sure but they know have a general idea i then connect to what i call a spiritual ecosystem so that's the interconnected web of energy that surrounds and pervades everybody and through that will channel in that case the energies from and for loki for this individual now some people are really specific some people will come to me and say that they work with loki they work with loki in this aspect they want the set to embody him in terms of his connections to odin his connections to chaotic un unfurling of fate the way that he changes perspective and turns the world upside down or they might come in and they might be like i love how he plays a fool but he is anything but and i want some of that energy and and going forward and so from that part then i stopped pulling down strands of energies i might get messages of I, i might hear words i might see visuals depending on the meditation and the the process and the, and the individual as well because it connects to the person who requires the physical items so i have done things for loki in the past and it's quite interesting that you chose loki really because i went through a stage where i had something like five or six people in a row and they wanted loki oh, wow. and energies and wanted loki items and um the main loki set which i left on the store it's completely different to a lot of other things so for example the smudge he decided he wanted it to be um kind of based on different like almost like food groups is is the only way i can think of putting it um but he was very clear in that he was like i want the overwhelming energy of the smudge to be this thing which lulls you so you you it's like being in a room of um smoke and there's warm fires and i want it to lull you but then i want there to be something in it which basically is a sharp shock to the system and suddenly wakes you up so it's like getting lulled into a false sense of sorry lulled into a false sense of security and then like woken up all of a sudden and that was Loki. <laughs> so, it's a, a sharp shock to the system when you least expect it with his energies. It's that, that kind of, oh, you think you're comfortable? Well, here I am to shake everything up again. And that's how his energy sort of pervaded the main set. But I do have different energies for different people who have come. I had one lady who wanted three different pillar candles all for Loki. And she said, can you represent three aspects of him? And I was like, yeah, easily. He's he's a trickster. He's a shifter. We could do infinite amounts of <laughs> pillars for him. And she was like, okay, I'll just leave it with you. And she didn't even tell me what she wanted. <laughs> Um, and so we literally had like the kind of the darkest element of, of Loki, the darkest aspects of when he's suffering, when he's, you know, got the poison bowl and he's being tormented. We had a, that side of him. We had the side of him which was um, 
laughter and playfulness and um, the complete playing the full side. And then the candle in the middle was kind of like balancing between the two. So that's where we went with his energies for her. But that was interesting because it was all in one in one group of people. Like all that they all came through the door at the same time. It was really strange. <laughs> That's pretty wicked, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I I do like that. With that is weird though that I mentioned Loki and that happened. Sorry, I'm getting out. Get out of there, Melvin. Moving on. <laughs> with your crafting, so people can know it's not exactly like what you would see in harry potter for instance <laughs> you're not gathering wind and 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 uh, some fire and throwing it in there you're not doing something like that right well i mean technically you are but it's not ever going to look like what it looks like in the movies so for example the way that i imbue a lot of products is through breath and song so i often sing the story of a product into a product so it has a soul um, and that's creating an energetic vibration around uh, the particular product particularly if the product is a little bit more abstract so say if somebody came to me and they said I want something for inner radiance and confidence and that sort of energy so that's less specific than a god or a goddess set right so you have to infuse it with what you believe those qualities to be and sometimes song um, and breath would be the the breath, the air, the wind, and then there's there's fire involved in the process of melting things down, um, particularly wax and and things of that nature. And then each herb or scent often is thought to correlate to an element in and of itself. When you get into witchcraft, a lot of witches believe that the categories of certain herbs fall under certain planets fall under certain elements um that you can debate and people do debate it but it's it's hard to contest something like say ginger about how it has that fiery scent and energy and that warmth to it it definitely brings a fire to certain energy certain products and it's kind of funny that you followed on from loki with that because his energies were quite like fiery inspired and things like that so wow. <laughs> there we go there you go and uh you just taught me something new so wow i i think i was a little too literal in thinking of harry potter but holy cow okay <laughs> it's not quite like the movies no but, but... Uh, still that's honestly that's like oh oh boy so that's also telling me that perhaps anyone can do this if you reach that understanding that vibrational level and probably have years of experience actually knowing what you're doing that would help too right i think everybody is gifted in different areas of witchcraft so um i think you can definitely learn these things but there are people who are more naturally gifted in certain areas so they're always going to be more naturally strong in certain areas so for me physically crafting items is my artistry it's something that I both naturally create and it just naturally flows but it is something that I work very hard on as well so you do definitely get people who are stronger in certain areas than others oh wow you know what this is so crazy so I'm now thinking about this and I can't do i i can't make anything with my hands at all i mean for some reason whenever i make a stick figure it comes out crippled <laughs> I mean, so but i'm a pretty decent storyteller and mm -hmm. listening to you i'm like huh 
in a way, you're kind of creating something from your words and all that stuff. Yeah, I can't make it, but I can certainly speak it. And Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, wow. And she's creating in the physical world with their hands and all that. So I was like, oh, wow. So I'm sorry. I know that has nothing to do with anything, but it just struck a chord with me. Well, it's all connected, though, because storytelling is a huge part of spirituality and witchcraft for a lot of people. It's um, Storytelling is really important to me. It uh, carries the memories, it carries the lessons, it carries the essence of humanity within it, which feeds into any spiritual path. I mean, what are myths that a lot of people base their path on, if not a form of storytelling? So it's all connected. Absolutely. Joey... How did you get started? Because sometimes, you know, when you're growing up and everything, like, yeah, we say, like, I'm a witch, I'm a magician or something like that. You play around, but you actually became one. And it's like, <laughs> oh, well, like, how, how did this happen? Well, I've always been this way. Um, and I think it's definitely something you grew, well, something I grew into in stages, um, but I've always been the way that I've been. So there are things that I knew how to do without ever having been taught, which may feed into the idea and energy of past lives that some people feel that that's where it comes from. It's uh, a knowledge that you've downloaded from previous lives or simultaneous lives, depending on how you feel about it. Um, But I knew, for example, how to use a pendulum age seven without anyone ever having told me. So for anyone who doesn't know, pendulum work is a form of divination. And the way that I did it is I drew a circle on a piece of paper and I split it into eight sections. I wrote eight different answers in each of the sections. And I had a silver necklace at the time um, with a pendant on the bottom and I like held it above the circle and would ask questions and see which way the pendulum swung and you can use necklaces like that or you can get proper pendulums like crystal ones and all sorts Uh, and no one ever really taught me to do that and I always was very close to nature and I was always very protective of nature I tried to uh, (laughs) I tried to join up to the RSPCA which is uh, an animal protection in the UK aged eight and they wouldn't let me because I wasn't old enough Um, And I was very, very concerned about deforestation, age seven or eight. And I was like reading everything I could get my hands on. And I was very, very upset around that age because I was overwhelmed with the earth is is crying out. The earth needs help. And there's nothing I can do age seven to help, really, because what are you going to do age seven? And I was doing everything I could think of. I was like supporting the RSPCA, buying their magazines, donating my tiny bit of pocket money to try and save the rainforests age seven. And all of that kind of fed into it. But I also saw spirits from being a child, so which is in my family. Some of my other family members have uh, that sort of energy to them too uh which frightened me as a kid and i did shut it down as a kid so it's always been there but then as i grew older um i started trying to find out if what i was doing naturally there was like a name for it or the people who were interested in the same sorts of things um and when i was 11 12 13 i was finding some books on wicca and um, wicca was my big introduction in terms of book knowledge, into what it was that I always felt and believed and, and known to be true. And and from there, it's just evolved and evolved and evolved. Now, I'm not Wiccan now, um, but that was what was... I wasn't really Wiccan at the time because I wasn't initiated. Mm. But 
that was what was hugely available when I first came into it. I've always been fairly solitary in my practice, so it was finding the information where I could find it. So, and that's how I got started. <laughs> okay, hey, it's working out. And uh, fun fact for you guys: uh, the very first guest I've had, uh, I've had on Unexplained Possibilities, was actually a Wiccan from northern england i think I, I can't remember exactly where vicky's from but yeah vicky from vicky's wiccan world um i don't think she does videos anymore though sadly but yeah mm. there you guys go little fun fact for you it all comes around in yeah. roundabouts <laughs> yeah and it's so funny you mentioned pendulum too because um not too too long ago i was i literally said i'm gonna look into uh pendulums and how they work with communication and such <laughs> Mm -hmm. So that's, that's pretty good. Oh, wow. So what's the difference between Wicca and witchcraft? Okay. Well, you you ask 10 different people, you get 10 different answers, but I will give it a go. So Wicca is a fairly modern uh, spiritual practice based from mainly from the work of Gardner in the 60s. Um, he claims that it came from further back than that in his familial line, but he kind of founded it as an actual religion, and Wicca is considered a religion. Um, witchcraft is fairly undefinable, but we will give it a go. Um, so witchcraft is considered to be the practice, the art, the working uh, of what some people call spells, some people call magic, some people call connecting to the natural world and speaking to spirits. Um, and it, the witchcraft element is considered to be very much a practice, a thing that you do. And so it can be practiced by people of different spiritual denominations. For example, there are some people out there who consider themselves to be Christian witches, and they will integrate those two. Um, there will some, be some people who do not necessarily follow a spiritual path, but they, they believe in energy work and they work with witchcraft separate from spirituality. Um, and you know, you have everything in between. You have your Luciferian witches, you have people who consider themselves pagan or neo-pagan, people who work within kind of folklore tradition and consider themselves more traditional witches. There's a whole range of different people who will give you different answers. Um, and it's, it's a very long, argument that people do have so okay. uh, can we say this then that wicca is fairly specific and one thing and witchcraft is a general term yeah wicca is, is much more of a religion and um, it's quite structured um so they they were trying to open it up as a respectable religion in the eyes of everybody else i guess so it, it comes with like laws and and uh structure and one way of doing things which didn't really work for me in the end but it was a very informative look into paganism in the beginning okay so that's good to know um actually i wonder uh, th th that's me thinking aloud. I mm -hmm. should probably say I wonder to myself much better than instead of staying aloud. I don't know. Do you ever do that? You catch yourself thinking aloud, and it's like, don't do that, idiot. You know, I'm not calling. Oh, you I an just idiot. go with it. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I just go with it, and then I ask. <laughs> <laughs> no, my my questions will get me into trouble if I just go with it. I've it's happened well, before. That's the best way to learn, isn't it? To get yourself into trouble. <laughs> It depends. It, it <laughs> honestly depends. 
Um, but no. Well, now I need to know what you were thinking. Now I'm curious. Well, <laughs> all right. Normally I would just say, oh, well, moving on. But this time I'll, mm -hmm. I'll be nice. I'm actually <laughs> thinking about what would happen if you take someone who is a quote-unquote Christian witch, a Luciferian and a Wiccan, and have them switch up and study the different uh, beliefs and systems and try their hand at the um, at the arts and, and see what would happen. Would they succeed at doing whatever? Would they fail? Would they learn something? All that. Kind of a weird experiment that's mm. in my head. So I'm, I'm always curious about things like that. And... I, th I think a lot of them probably have read around um, the different spiritual paths connected to witchcraft. Uh, it's Witchcraft in and of itself to practice witchcraft, I feel like you have to be fairly open-minded anyway. Um, so researching and getting as much knowledge on your side as you can is, is recommended by a lot of people. I would definitely encourage people to read around all the different areas. Now, I think the thing that stands in your way when it comes to that is yourself. So if you have a prejudice, say the Christian witch had a prejudice against the Luciferian stuff and they had a bias there and a fear there and that all got in the way, then that is what would stop them from having a productive practice with a different way of looking at the world. It would be them and their thought processes and their biases that got in the way. The same if it was anyone, anyone else in any other manner. It doesn't matter which label they attribute to themselves. Really, it's who the person is and how they perceive what they're doing and how they perceive other ways of looking at the world um, as to their success with something, I think. Let's talk a little bit about Celtic magic mm -hmm. and the fact that I know absolutely nothing about it. So. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Nor did I either. That's why the Morrigan threw me into it, I think. <laughs> oh, we're going to get to her in a second, too. Mm-hmm. Now, with Celtic magic, um, how does that differ from, we'll say, well, since we already brought it up, we'll say Wicca? Mm -hmm. Well, there are many similarities between a lot of different systems. I think it's just usually the culture that influences uh, a particular form of magic. So in Celtic magic in particular there is a lot of breath work and vocal work tied into magic so a lot of the druids um will have done spells that is to do with them speaking or singing prose uh, a lot of the tales of the morrigan in her form of performing magic she was speaking prophecies into being and it's the power of the spoken word and to the point where the druids even have you know uh, different strands of druid so bard is a strand of druid um and learning all the histories off by rote and learning some of the magic spells off by rote was part of the way that the, the celts uh preserved their culture their stories their history and their magic so a lot of the vocal work is very celtic in nature and the thing is about it is that i am not strictly uh, Celtic in terms of what magic I will perform. I, you know, I perform magic that is my own. Um, but I naturally gravitated towards the vocal witch side of things anyway. I'm quite a vocal person. Uh, I'm vocal in my jobs. And so it just naturally fit with me. And that is a big part of Celtic magic that is 
within other strands of, of witchcraft, but may not be as stressed, may not be as at the fore um, as it is in Celtic magic. Uh, I'm trying to think what else that there is. There's been the evolution of the Oum. So the Oum is a divinational system based on the trees. And a lot of Celtic magic is quite nature-based. Um, Druidic stuff is very nature-based. And depending on where you're drawing your influence from and your knowledge and your learning, you might draw knowledge about the trees, you might draw knowledge about animals, you might draw knowledge about shape-shifting and those sorts of energies. All of these things are quite prominent in Celtic magic. But that's not to say that they're not prominent elsewhere. So it's not specific to one. That's a lot of info. Um <laughs> <laughs> No, well, you know, this is the magic. It's it's fairly new to me, so I'm trying to learn. And my little little research, you know, it's nothing compared to someone who actually has knowledge of how everything works and the different mythologies or the stories, the history, rather, you know. So it's kind of like, what, what did you say? Um <laughs> what, what was it drop uh, a drop in the ocean you know mm-hmm. yeah that's my knowledge compared to yours in the case of magic it's literally a drop in the ocean it's like yeah i think a lot of people know more than they realize though i think a lot of people have that feeling of being overwhelmed in the beginning and then they realize they know more than they thought because if you ever grew up and you grew up with like folklore stories so knock on wood or um the the magpies one for sorrow two for joy and i know it gets transcribed as crows some places but it was always magpies in england um little bits of folk tales like that are actually magic and people have kind of been taught to ignore or move away from their natural intuitions or the stories that really captured them when they were children. And it, it seems to me like a lot of children have this natural knowledge, this intuition, this natural knowing of things, which is actually magic. And we kind of get that drummed out of us by society. And then we go back and you realize at a point that a lot of magic is, yes, you should, you should learn the systems and the way things work and as much as you can but there's also a balance of that with your intuition and the things that you already know on a soul level so you may know more than you think okay so it's one of those hidden knowledges that you've hidden from yourself and you know Mm -hmm. life is kind of piled on other things but if you're willing to dig through it you'll come back to the surface Mm -hmm. so that's a great way of putting that i never thought about it like that that's a darn good way of putting it. I think I'm, I'm glad going, you like it. Yeah, I'm going to quote you on this one, so I hope you don't <laughs> okay. mind. I do not mind, by all means. <laughs> In the Celtic magic area, I don't. What, what's the proper terminology for that? Like, oh, <laughs> like is it just Celtic magic or Celtic belief system? Like, I want to be somewhat proper. You're asking the wrong person because nope. I don't like the definition. <laughs> I'm like, well, it depends what you're trying to trying to talk about. Um, there are different terminologies. Don't ask me to pronounce any of the Irish stuff because I can't. I I try and fail miserably every single time. Um, there are Irish terminologies for different types of magic. Um, off the top of my head, after being ill for a month, I can't remember any of them. But <laughs> there are Irish terminologies in particular. There are Welsh ones as well and um, Gaulish ones from where the Celts were because it's worth pointing out that there are different Celtic tribes. 
So there are Irish Celts, um, there are Scottish Celts, there are, from history anyway, obviously we all intermingle and we all intermerge and we marry and we fight and all the rest of it throughout our history. But that, so there were German, Gaulish Celts as well. So there are many different terminologies for these things. So it's probably easiest just to refer to it as an umbrella term of Celtic magic. <laughs> okay, we'll go with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, all right, well. Hey, that's this is good to know. Even the experts aren't necessarily, um, you know, the, the, you, you don't always have to know every single thing or be super perfect and stuff. It's what works for you best. Mm -hmm. oh, we're all learning anyway and uh, all the time. And the minute we think we're an expert at something is the minute we should probably stop doing it. Because there is always more to learn. There's always more to discover. There's always, um, there should be a sense of seeking and a sense of wonder with all of these things, especially spirituality and magic and things of that nature. I have a terrible memory, so I have to go back and double check things. But to really have that sense of wonder and, and love what you do and like delve into magic and spirituality is the more important thing than what you amass what you gather um to keep wanting to know and learn and, and be fascinated is the more important part to me okay and uh, fun fact i have a terrible memory myself <laughs> oh we'll do well then. <laughs> we'll forget what we're talking about halfway through <laughs> yeah so don't don't worry <laughs> let's talk about some of the gods or goddesses not mm -hmm. the morgan just yet we'll get to her okay. in one second but are there other deities is that the correct yeah here we go again <laughs> would deities be the correct way of saying that yes okay so who who are some that you may have interacted with sure okay so in my line of business it means that i have to conduit well, it does, it, I don't have to, but it is something that I am. I am a conduit, and I can connect to God and goddess energy really easily. Um, so there are many, many deities that I have interacted with briefly to honor them in terms of products for other people. Um, but in terms of more of a personal relationship, so the Morrigan is front and center, and everything is done with her blessing permission however you want to see it freya has been a huge influence of late she's a nordic goddess from the nordic pantheon um and she has come in time and time and time again she came in initially because i was making products for everybody else um and she's come in more and more and more and more and she wishes to be here and work with me it's not the same as the morrigan to whom i am dedicated but she's definitely around uh, I have had contact with the goddess, the Nordic goddess Hel, um, and that is primarily through uh, who I call my soul sister from another mister, who is Chris, um, and that's her uh, matron, if you like, and who she works with. But because her and I are so energetically bonded in a lot of ways, the goddesses kind of freely travel between us quite a lot, especially if the one isn't listening to them, they'll go talk to the other one and be like, can you get your sister to listen, please? <laughs> um, I'm just trying to think, like, 
Loki came in for a little while, um, not so much recently. Like he was very present when all those people came in. Yeah, he took an in- he took an interest and was like, "Hi," <laughs> and and then he started sending me men that were really pervy, and I was like, "Okay, let's not let's not do this." Huh, this um, <laughs> this sounds like someone I know actually. Um, <laughs> <laughs> So that's that's pretty funny. Oh yeah, you're a jokester, Mister Loki, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, he he finds it all hilarious. <laughs> so, hey, you know what though? You have to have a sense of humor, or else you're just going to be miserable. Oh, you have to. You have to laugh at yourself. Otherwise, what are you doing? <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Um, but I think the Nordic gods come through quite easily to me because um, they're very similar to the Celtic gods in a lot of ways. Okay. And so uh, the energies are kind of like, and they met. They're, 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 the Nords, the Vikings met the Celts uh, and fought the Celts. And there's, there's, there's uh, existing evidence from the time like source material and, and mythology and, and poems and things um, that they fought one another. So the Valkyries have come through really strongly, actually, and then they, there's some argument as to whether they were originally goddesses or not. Hmm. They came in really strongly, so that was from okay. the Nordic country. Yeah, well, the only thing I know for sure, well, not for sure, but that I know about them was they were supposed to collect the um, the soldiers from the battlefield uh, who died and they take them to, um, is it Valhalla, I think? And mm-hmm. they would prepare, well, they would drink beer, of course, and and prepare for Ragnarok, that battle with uh, mm-hmm. Odin. I know that. So that's interesting. I didn't know that they were possibly goddesses, though. Uh, one of the mythologies that I read um, initially has them choosing who is going to die in battle. Okay. They, weren't just, they weren't just ferrying the souls. They were choosing and prophesizing and divining through entrails who was going to die um and so they had an energy over they had control over the fate of men and women um so they had godlike powers in some of the the surviving poems and i found that really interesting and that i've the more i, I do research around things as well particularly when i'm connecting to certain energies i do like a physical collection of energy and in terms of what myths matter around this and what evidence have we got i'm i'm a historian as well i like studied history up to uni level and so it fascinates me and i go and gather as much physical if you like evidence as i can get to and there is that debate as to whether they initially were goddesses and kind of got watered down later on in the mythology okay well you know it happens unfortunately so Mm -hmm. but uh that's very interesting i'm gonna have to research and look into that myself now so i i've always had a thing that i liked about norse mythology i don't know why but something about it it's just pretty cool i love I love it. I love it. Yeah, yeah. So, Celtic and Nordic. I love Celtic so, and Nordic. Mythology. And to me, with the uh, Idrasil uh, tree and the worlds and how they're on the branches, to me, it kind of looks like, well, you can say it's almost like different dimensions. And mm-hmm. from a more spiritual point of view, you can even say that perhaps it is higher dimensional realms of vibration that we can actually ascend to. So I mean that, that I, I I can give you my uh, Yggdrasil conspiracy theory if you like. Oh, hey, we're all about that here. Go ahead. 
So I always thought that Yggdrasil looks very much like a brainstem and then the, the different worlds would be branching off into different areas of consciousness. And what if it was a cosmic version of what is within us already? So the way that we create thought within our own mind, um, the neurons fire and we create thoughts which are technically non-existent, they're not tangible, we can't touch them, but they're very real. What if that's what's happening with the creation of reality? And Yodrasil is a representation of that on a cosmic level. That's quite the theory. And, you know, <laughs> no, no, no. Like, honestly, after the past year, which I was telling you about off air, I'm willing to believe just about everything, anything. So it's totally possible. Who knows? It's, it's, it's all just theory crafting. It's all just interesting ideas about the way things could be i mean it's you know <laughs> yeah so that's pretty cool uh, okay so now let's uh go to a deity that i am slowly learning more about and bonnie first introduced me to her and you have videos on your youtube channel what's your youtube channel uh you can find me as Joey Morris Witch if you want to type that into the search engine bar. The username is Starry Eyed Little Lady. So S T A R R Y E Y E D L I L Lady. But it may it may be easier just to type Joey Morris Witch into the search engine or Joey Morris Morrigan and then I'll come straight up. <laughs> yeah, and don't worry guys, the link's gonna be in the description as well. So, you know. <laughs> we'll, we'll, I'll have you covered on that. Um, anyway, back to what I was saying. Um, yeah, this deity Bonnie introduced me to, I'm learning a bit more about her and that is the Morrigan. Mm -hmm. <laughs> She's a complicated deity. Mm -hmm. I, I, person, can I say person? Like I'm trying to learn the do's and do not. <laughs> so, I would, I would say goddess and be on, goddess. on the side, on the side of safety. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> She's a complicated goddess, which mm -hmm. is fine because that just makes her all the more interesting. And mm -hmm. usually things that are complicated, you know, they always have a very good reward at the end of it, whether it be gaining new knowledge or even an understanding or who knows, maybe even gold. It's not going to be mm -hmm. gold, but, you know. <laughs> you've said that now and it will be it will be physical gold because you said it won't be <laughs> well someone is going to get lucky yeah i wouldn't mind some physical gold mother you know well, now because you said you wouldn't mind you're not gonna yeah. get it actually yeah, you never know right. you, you might find like a penny or something or whatever the equivalent to a penny is over there so or like the ugliest piece of gold you can find. <laughs> yeah, it's like, what is this? This is fool's gold. <laughs> yeah. So, Sounds about right. <laughs> so what what can you tell me about the Morgan? Oh wow. <laughs> How long have you got? Um let, let's try with some of the <laughs> basic stuff. Just really, really Okay. Basic. She's considered by many to be a Celtic or Irish Celtic goddess. I think she's older than that. I think you can uh see her elements of her in myths um that are older. Um there are threads that you can trace back to the sort of Sumerian goddesses. I think she's older than that. I think she's primal, but let's for ease sake 
say she's a Celtic goddess who um, was living in Ireland before the arrival of the main Celtic gods, the Tuatha de Danann, and she integrated with them. So she was there before them, um, and she welcomed them into Ireland. And uh, depending on who you ask, she's considered to be a goddess of war, a goddess of death, a goddess of shape-shifting, uh, a goddess of magic. And uh, to be honest, she's all of these things and none of these things, and it's all a human way of trying to understand a goddess. Uh, it, again, it's that drop-in-the-ocean thing that we talked about it's it's big goddess little human and humans drawing on archetypes to try and understand the goddess um but for me she has been the mother i never had she has been the primary teacher of lessons she has killed me off metaphorically more times than i can count and brought me back to life and made me stronger and uh forged me anew into a better stronger more honest and authentic version of myself time and time again and uh she's a force <laughs> <laughs> the way you said that is like whew, she uh she tires me out sometimes but i know it's worth oh, yeah. it and i'm oh, yeah so. <laughs> pretty much <laughs> that was interesting like, okay interesting story here i was japping with bonnie one day and um she she's always sending me some good support and good energy and and uh she was telling me about the morgan and how she may or may not appear and sometimes it has to do with cats i believe you said bonnie and then another time it was uh crows or ravens the, the blackbirds and mm -hmm. and uh, she was helping me with some stuff and um i kid you not where I'm at, there are no crows here. There used to be crows, but they left a while ago. And maybe it was a day, if that, after speaking to Bonnie, a crow shows up. Mm -hmm. And it's just, ah, ah, you know, you, you know what yep. they sound like. And I'm just like, where did that thing come from? I didn't, at first I didn't know where it was at because I could not find it. I, mm -hmm. I was like, what is, is that a crow? Where is it? Because I like crows. Mm -hmm. I think they're cool animals. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't find it, couldn't see it. And I, I left it at that. I was like, I wonder. And it's always been in the back of my head. And every now and then, a random crow will show up mm -hmm. and just, crawl, crawl. and usually when that happens, I, I actually contact Bonnie. I don't tell her about the crow, but I'm like, yeah, maybe I should talk to her. But <laughs> um, that was just very interesting to me. And... I, I just, I don't know. And if a crow shows up now, I am like totally just going to lose it. <laughs> I find that that quite often when I talk to people about the Morrigan, they, they'll come back to me a few days later and be like, so I've been stalked by crows since I was talking to you. <laughs> and I'm like, that'll happen. Morrigan does that. She likes to like go have a nose about who these people are that are talking to people that she's connected with. So that's not unusual. I've heard that before. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, l luckily it's just one. Cr Evidently she knows me enough where it's like, eh, better not freak him out too much. Like, let's just send one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. Cause I will like, I've shut down. I'll board everything. I'm like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> but 
it, it's just it's really cool to me and you know i don't mind her peeking in you know so what am i gonna do to stop her like hey don't do that like really get out of here <laughs> <laughs> yeah good luck <laughs> yeah exactly i mean and then i'm pretty sure she you know she it's just curiosity like who are you speaking to what's, what's this guy and i have my own little weird things floating about anyway so mm. um yeah so how did you or how did the morrigan introduce you to this because you said that she had a hand in it in what in... um into introducing introducing you to the witchcraft game okay so the morrigan has been with me my entire life but i didn't know who she was until a certain point so as a child i always prayed to mother I always spoke to mother when I was in times of distress, however you want to say that. I had a a hard upbringing. It was not a nice time for me as a child. Um, And I always spoke to mother and mother would speak back. And I got to the point in my teenage years where I was like, am I crazy? Am I a crazy person? And the voice in my head was like, does it matter if you are a crazy person? And I was just like, no, I suppose not really. Um, and the act of asking yourself if you're a crazy person is supposed to show you that you're not, like, if at least not completely and utterly. And so she'd always been around, always. Um, and it was only later when I asked her who she was um, that we went through the riddle game, which was who do you think I am? And then, like, testing me and giving me different synchronicities, different signs, work it out, figure it out. So one of them that I remember is that the solstice before I had asked who she was, um, which was a couple of months before I asked who she was that year, I had used the washer in the Ford in as a title uh, to the goddess in the solstice ritual that I created, and I didn't know where that line had come from. And it just felt really right to me, and that's one of her lines. So I hadn't read that. And for whatever reason, in all of my studies of history and mythology, which were many and vast because I was super into it as a kid, I had never studied Celtic mythology or history particularly. And so I was like, when I actually thought about this, and I was like, that's so weird. Because I was a historian, I'd studied history all the way through up to uni level and Celts have been never on the menu. And I was like, as an English person, that's surreal. Like, how did that happen? And it was because she didn't want me to until I got to the point where I was ready to open myself up to who she was as a goddess. Because I think the thing is, if you've already learned all the mythology, it's not quite as exciting as when you step onto a road and you haven't read it yet. For me, anyway. Um, So, for example, I was really well-versed in, say, the Greek mythology. I'd read it from a different perspective many, many times and knew it all off by heart, almost. Um, And so when I got to that point in my witchcraft and I asked who the mother was um, and everything then began to open up in the Celtic tradition from that point. So she opened up once I realized who she was and it, and it was like, right, you know who I am now. You may, you may read the mythologies, um, but you know, that's a sounding off point. That's a jumping off point. That's the beginning because for a lot of people stick to the mythology and nothing else, but I don't agree. I'm, I consider myself to be an evolutionary pagan. Mm -hmm. I think that the way that it was done is an enjoyable beginning, but it's not the be all and end all 
so that's kind of how she introduced me to the the celtic magic the celtic witchcraft okay that's that's pretty deep i mean especially since she's been with you from such a young age too Mm -hmm. so it was like no this is gonna happen (laughs) no you've been promised since birth yeah (laughs) well the other side of it is like my surname is morris which is is pretty close to morgan there are morgans in my family uh my grandmother's maiden name was morgan so (laughs) yeah this is totally destined (laughs) here is a pretty actually it's probably two or three tough questions and part of it comes from my own weirdo mind Mm -hmm. and another part is like just a genuine curiosity but where do you think the gods and goddesses where do you think they come from Mm. well the gods and the goddesses as we perceive them definitely come from us in terms of uh, the way that we have given energies outside of ourselves life within our scope is definitely from the human interaction so the way that the legacy of deity has evolved the way that we give them humanoid form most of the time we give them hair color and eye color and and say they're goddesses of things that matter to us that to me is part of the human equation the human creation process do deity exist outside of human beings i would think i think they probably do Um, There is an element, like I said, to deity that I don't think I fully comprehend. I comprehend as much as I can with my brain and the state of evolution that we're at. Do I comprehend all of it? No. And I think that it's important to acknowledge that I don't understand every aspect of it and there is more to learn and more to know and to keep seeking the answers and keep discovering them. Um, I don't know that I can give you a final answer as, as to where they came from because I think we can all have our theories about this. Can we prove one theory without any doubt? I don't think so and I think it's only human hubris arrogance even to say we have the answer so maybe all answers are right maybe none of them are who knows okay and there is a question from harley quinn and um she asked specifically if the morgan is also morgana lefay i'm assuming morgana from arthurian art from the legends of king arthur there we go it's debated so I can't give you a yes or no answer because it's highly debated. What I can tell you is that Morgana Le Fay is one of the nine Morgans of Avalon. And some people believe that the nine Morgans of Avalon were either faces of the goddess Morrigan, aspects of them, or priestesses dedicated to each aspect of the face of the Morrigan. So... They were a priestess of a particular aspect of the goddess herself. And honestly, 
I can't give you a final answer one way or another. I think it is for each individual to really ruminate on how they feel and what their intuition says on that. Now, do I feel like the Morrigan could show up as the archetype of Morgana Le Fay? Absolutely. Do I feel that she could appear that way if she thought that was the best way to um, induce somebody into a conversation or get somebody on the lesson or energy they needed to be on? Absolutely. She could do whatever she wants. Big goddess, little human. So um, there is debate about it. Some people throw it all out, but I can tell you that a lot of the Arthurian legends appears to be based on Celtic mythology to the point where some of the stories are almost identical. It's just that they've been given a Christian slant. Okay. So there you go, Harley. Um, and before Harley's question, you were saying that how, you know, you think that some of the deities come from us. And it's so funny because that's what I was going to get at for my other question. And mm -hmm. that was, do you think that we actually create our own gods and goddesses? And uh, I'll go a little bit deeper on that, actually. Um, my my line of thought is, like, back in ancient times, we were, well, we didn't rely on technology. We were, we were more in tune with nature, so to speak. Mm -hmm. we, we had an understanding. And mm -hmm. we seem to have lost that over the years. And now we're oblivious to certain things, myself included. And I'm wondering if when we weren't so oblivious, if our thoughts, our energy uh, from a worldwide perspective, or maybe not worldwide, but from a large group perspective, somehow created a type of topa effect. And we started to create these deities and we associated them with, well, for instance, the harvest when it rains or mm -hmm. or um the sun summer winter all that i'm wondering if that's something we did and along the way the we were gods ourselves and if you look at it from the point of view of creation mm -hmm. and we lost that somehow and our creation somehow became our creators and they're trying to remind us or at least some of them like, no, you are a creator yourself. You are your own God, and you need to get back to that and stop being so freaking oblivious. <laughs> it's as good a theory as any, isn't it? This is the thing. We have no way of knowing which came first, chicken or the egg. We have no way of knowing. Uh, is there an energy outside of all of that in the beginning? And... The, the, they connected with us and we gave them more shape and form possibly is it an intermingling of all of these things it could be anything and uh, I honestly feel that if it is helping you to grow if it is helping you to I don't know however you want to see it ascend if it is helping you to become your best and truest and mo most authentic self I'm not sure that we, it matters how we define it. And I think that a lot of people argue left, right, and center about their way of perceiving the universe. I like the idea that, and it comes from the quote that, you know, we are the universe experiencing itself. And 
And so as long as how we interact with these energies, these very, and they, deity is very real to me. It's not just simply an archetype, but I'm never going to tell somebody who works with simply what they believe to be only archetypes um, that they're wrong. Because I think, again, it, you're only blocking your own progress. You're only um, cutting yourself into smaller boxes by fighting about the right way and the wrong way. I think that we definitely create our own reality. We definitely create the way that we perceive deity. We definitely create a collected consciousness about deity. Because if I was to say the goddess Bast, you immediately know what I mean. If, if you've studied any kind of Egyptology anyway, you, you immediately know there is a cat association for, for most of, most people will know that. And because so many people agree and believe that to be the form perhaps that is then the easiest way for that energy to appear to humans who like you said a lot of us have lost that contact to the natural world to the spiritual ecosystem so maybe they work in the path of least resistance maybe that's how maybe we create the doorways through which cosmic beings cosmic energies and entities arrive to communicate who knows it could be any it could be none um it's fun to have debates and theory about it but i think that if we get too caught up in the definition then we lose the practice um you mentioned bass and you know what here's a question for you this is just totally random but do you think there's a connection between bass and uh hikate I mean, not that I have ever felt. I feel like Hecate or Hecate is again a primal goddess. Okay. So, and she's definitely uh, another one of these that goes beyond just the Greek mythology. Yeah. Oh, most um, definitely she does. But uh, it's not something that I've ever come across personally. I'm not saying no, but it's not something that I've ever felt there was a crossover there like, uh, because Hecate has much more of that I mean she has dogs and underworlds and um, the deep dark magic of the earth energy and um, Bast tends to be well Bast you know Bast actually um, feels more like uh, the Sumerian goddesses um, that were like uh what is her name? Her name has gone right out of my head. The one who got trans transformed into the whore of Babylon and was like the sacred goddesses of um, sexuality and sensuality and indeed prostitution. Um, that name has gone right out of my head. It's not Anana. It's the other one. No, it's gone. I can't think of it. But Bast has that energy because of the feline and of the night and of the sensuality and things of that nature. She's maybe closer to a Lilith energy, actually. Oh, <laughs> that's interesting. Okay. I'm sorry, that caught me off guard. I mean, it's just the way that I perceive them, so. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, like, that's, that's interesting. And and when you said Lilith, 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 Melvin, speak English. When you said Lilith, that actually brought back some terrible memories from some years ago with the porn oh star and she claimed <laughs> to be Lilith and it was just a whole thing. And it's like, Melvin, why do you know a porn star? Well, there's a story <laughs> there that none of you will ever get. So 
that's just teasing. <laughs> it is teasing. It's actually a pretty crazy story, and it ends with Secret Service getting involved. Uh, not me, though. I'm I'm cool. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> there you go, folks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, that's just one for the memoirs, perhaps. Yeah, there's a whole chapter in, in your biography. It's called That Porn Star and the Secret Service. <laughs> yeah, no, interestingly enough, like, honestly, I don't really go out too much. I don't speak to a lot of people unless it's for unexplained and. Um, that one, I, I have some stories. <laughs> That's all I can say. Um, one of my personal favorite stories, though, that I share every now and then is uh, involving one of my good friends, Matt. He, um, he used to be visited by ETs, and he told me about all of his encounters, what he saw and knows and all that. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. I mean... Even if you're not a believer in the extraterrestrial field, and um, well, I am, so you know, there's that. Mm -hmm. Well, I think the universe is too big for there not to be any other life form. And Bonnie, <laughs> Bonnie is reminding me to do something, so I am to ask you about Primal Goddess Podcast. Oh, the What the Flux Year of the Goddess. Uh, we are talking about goddess energy uh, on the podcast that Chris and I do uh, over on SoundCloud, or you can look up What the Flux, and we talk about goddess energy from a what we hope is a different perspective to what is usually given out as information. So that's between Chris and I, or we run that podcast together. Okay. Um, you know what? It's It's about that time to end it for this episode of unexplained possibilities but before we go yeah go ahead and tell us where we can find everything about you well that you're <laughs> willing to share with people oh wow okay well i mean the hub where you can find most things is www.starryeyedsupplies.com and there are links there to my Instagram. There are links there to my Facebook. There is The store is there. The blog is there. Most things you can find through Starry-Eyed Supplies. Or if you look for anything with Starry-Eyed Little Lady, that's me. So the Facebook page is that. Uh, the Instagram is that. <laughs> we, we are... We me myself and I and also Chris we're everywhere basically and we have a podcast and I have a YouTube channel and I have an, all the social media all the Twitter and the Instagram and everything um, but the main hub is StarryEyedSupplies.com and you can find most things from there and those links will be in the description below so you guys be sure to click on all of those and also don't forget to check out Unexplained Possibilities on Facebook and Twitter um, Joey, thank you so much for coming on. I really, really appreciate it. And I learned a lot. Oh, well, thank you so much for asking me and, and rearranging because I was sick before and I really appreciate it. And it was good fun. So thank you so much. Yeah. So, and you know, you've done something that very few people have actually ever done and you're going to get me to study some things and research. <laughs> No, because I'm I'm very interested about the uh, different Celtic deities, um, 
I want to know more about it. I want to know more about how magic is done and all of that. It's, and that's thanks to you. Well, you can't ask for anything more than that. To be excited about something, that's awesome. So Okay, and remember guys, there are things that go bump in the night. Go ahead and tell them hi. Bye, everybody. Bye.